Hi, I'm Jennifer Zollett. And I'm Larkin Bell. Welcome to our podcast, A Brighter Lens. it'd be fun to check in with you again um especially since you have a film at Sundance that we are going to watch virtually this weekend we haven't watched it yet but uh we will see the premiere so we're excited I yeah seen it yet. I will see the premiere on Sunday as well so there. oh my gosh that's so exciting that was one of my questions actually I was wondering if you had seen it or like how that works especially with um Sundance stuff so that's cool oh wow fun yeah I never get to see the movies beforehand to be honest with you um, number one, I don't ever want to be a part of the notes process because I just, I'm looking at it from, I've tried for other people's movies and I'm looking at it from such a casting perspective or I don't know music. I don't know editing. So like, I feel like my notes are never very helpful. Um, so I would rather see it when it's done, but I, I never really get like an advanced copy or anything. It's usually like either premiere or like if it's a Hulu movie, I watch it on Hulu the day it premieres. So. Oh my gosh, that's wild. How did you get involved in this project to start with? And how did you meet Kate Sang? Just kind of what's that process like? Yeah, the project oh. is Marvelous in the Black Hole is the name of the film. Yes. Directed by Kate. This project came to me through a mutual director that I love and respect and have worked with many times, Michael Mohan, who did Everything Sucks in an upcoming Amazon movie that I cast. Um, he referred me to Carolyn, who's the producer. She called me, emailed me, and I read the script, and then we met, and then I got kind of the backstory on it. It was actually fostered by Tribeca, but because of COVID, we didn't get to premiere at Tribeca last year, so we are premiering at Sundance, which win-win all around, but it was heavily I, I don't want to say the word fostered again but I will say that it was it was a grant called untold stories focusing on um, filmmakers uh, female uh, diverse etc filmmakers who get this million dollar grant to make their first movie and Kate won so that's how I kind of got brought into it all was through a a referral and then meeting with them and, and reading it and fell in love with it. And then I watched Kate's short, which is adorable. Um, and I was like, sold. Okay, how do we do this? And that's how it all started. That's so fun. Can you speak a little bit to the, the casting process for this film? Was there anything that stuck out to you and looking back on it or anything that like, yeah, you, when you're reading the script, you were struck like this person needs to come in for this role. Any, any fun stories like that? I love that because I actually have those stories for this one. First of all, the lead character in this movie is a, a young uh, Chinese-American girl. You know, reading that from just like not having any, any experience of doing a large casting call for that age range and that specificity, I would normally be like, okay, well, that's going to be a big challenge. But I had just seen Always Be My Maybe, and Mia Check is the she plays the younger version in that and I was I literally went into my meeting with Kate and I'm like so I already know who's playing Sammy and you know of course they don't believe you when you say that so we did have an audition process and when Mia came in it was like 
a no brainer. And I was, it was like one of my moments where I was like, I told you so. <laughs> the good thing that they were very open to the idea of it. They agreed she was perfect for it. And we had a, a lot of other wonderful actors that read for it, but it, it was one of those moments where it's like, yes, obviously. And then also to, to the opposite of that, reading the script, the other kind of lead character is Margot. And she's a woman, uh, 60s plus. Um, and my casting director brain on that one comes in, is like, okay, who are we gonna get to do this for scale? <laughs> a woman of that age range with a name that is gonna see the potential in this as being a, a, an indie darling, if you will. Um, and so that is always also my casting director brain going, okay, I'm gonna start thinking of those. Um, we we are so lucky with the cast that we got. Um, Rhea Perlman plays Margot, and she's amazing and such a, just a a wonderful gem to even like consider it. And then she was she you know she learned magic for this movie, um, which is another funny thing about the script is that for some reason I work with magicians a lot. I don't know why. I've gone to Magic Castle more than anyone I know. <laughs> I've worked on commercials with magicians. Um, this is like the third project I've had to cast a magician. I don't know why, guys. Um, but script, I was like, well, that's my wheelhouse. How weird is that? Um, so like, you know, I learned magic tricks for it, um, which is like, you know, it's just above and beyond. And you, you, you feel so lucky when you find the right person for the right part that's actually passionate about it and gets it. And she's one of those people. Aww. That's so fun. It like makes me think of like, like special skills on actors resumes. Like if you had special skills on your resume, it would be like anything magician wise, like ma magic <laughs> stuff. I got it. <laughs> um, but then funny. I called on that. So like my funniest magician story is this one guy, he's kind of famous as a magician, but he came in and he does like the bird thing where he like pulls the bird and the bird pooped on the floor. And I was like, who's cleaning that up? <laughs> That sounds like a very fun, fun film, especially with those little tidbits. Uh, and I guess, you know, we're a year into this pandemic. Um, just generally, like, how has casting been for you during this time? What do you think the future of casting might hold? Just like, what's this year been like for you, business-wise? It's been definitely a roller coaster. Um, you know, I tend to to be lucky enough to get to work on these um, lower budget art art house movies. So um, we're definitely competing at the moment with a all of the pushbacks of all the bigger budget TV shows and movies that you know have been holding or pushed because of COVID. So just honestly, just getting availabilities is one of my biggest challenge because people just don't know. Um, and also, you know, are they going to want to do a movie a year from now that's a low budget indie? So getting that kind of commitment, those are really my biggest uphill battles that I feel are directly related to COVID. I mean, it's always a challenge to, to find the right people to, to work on stuff, but that has been specifically hard. Um, and and also just, you know, it's just, it's really hard to shoot during this time. I, I had two things go at the last end of last year and one was fine and one a crew member tested positive. So we're shut down and, you know, we've pushed to spring. 
um, and fingers crossed we'll be able to to go then. But it's, um, you know, there's just so many unknowns with it that it's really um, get very frustrating and scary um, from my perspective of like, okay, how long until we cast this? Um, but on the on this the, the the Zoom world of it all, I have to say that you know I've always been a big self tape person. We talked about that last time. So in that re regards, doing the you know contact free auditioning has been fine. It was just when we were doing chemistry reads on one project that it was a real challenge because you have your director, you have me, you have your reader or you have your two actors and they're trying to connect through a computer screen. So sometimes, you know, Wi-Fi's are laggy or they have a loud uh, a truck that goes by their window because it's summer and your windows are open. Um, just a, a lot of different variables there. Um, so I feel for actors when it comes to that. And that's one conversation I've definitely been underlining when we have those sessions with my producers and directors. Like, look, you guys got to give them the benefit of the doubt. That's interesting. Like, yeah. Do you see any parts of casting kind of permanently changing from, from this pandemic time? Or do you think it will kind of go back to normal, quote unquote, like once we can? Well, I definitely think nothing's going to replace the in-person casting experience. Mm -hmm. um, but I also think that, you know, remote casting is going to be a lot more acceptable. Just that people won't necessarily have to be in the city that they're auditioning in. I think that will be more acceptable. Um, and I think that will benefit casting to be able to find the gems and find discoveries of uh, actors because they're able to kind of catch them wherever they're at. One yeah. last question. Um, I don't know, I was intrigued. You, you spoke to us a lot last time about just casting and how it's not always as recognized as like it could be or it should be. And recently you had posted something on your Instagram about a director was talking about casting and and he or she, I'm not sure, or they didn't didn't say who the casting director was, and you know how integral the casting director is to you know casting. And I just wondered, yeah, if you had any other thoughts. I just think that's so fascinating that that is happening and that that conversation took place. And um, you know, who knows? I don't know who the director was, but um, yeah, if you could speak to that a little bit, I feel like going to start being my um social platform is like getting casting directors recognized for yeah. their work um i was just you know it was a movie i'm i'm not naming the name of the movie because i don't I, it's not important it's happened so many times it doesn't matter that it's that movie um but the movie is very specific there's some characters in it that they had to have done a pretty thorough search to be able to fit the um requirements and specifics of the character and so the question was how did you get this great character hmm. and the director said you know casting is the most important part of the movie and then went on to talk about the this actor and all the actors in the movie and never once mentioned that there was a a casting director involved and b like maybe even just name dropping them for a second um so it just really like you know I just feel like it's just so, it's so the norm and I don't know what that is. And I, you know, I know directors, their heads are like, 
full of things when they're getting interviewed and it's really hard to remember and stuff. But like the question is, how did you get this great cast or what a great cast? You know, it's like the the editing was fantastic in this. Normally a director will be like, oh, well, we have this great editor or the cinematography is amazing in this. And they will usually say, oh, well, our cinematographer DP is this person. So it's just strange to me that there's that like brain fog when it comes to casting. Um, but that's just me. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's, it's more than strange, but I'm glad, yeah, that you're bringing attention to it and that we get a have this podcast out there about it um yeah well we end um usually with our three two one action lightning round but we already asked you um those questions so we won't ask you again but we have two bonus questions for you because we're curious um what's the last thing that you watched or you're currently watching right now that you've been enjoying i um i feel like whenever i talk to friends i'm always like what are you watching here's what i'm watching and we compare notes and a, a friend dear friend who i completely respect their opinion was like Ted Lasso. And this person is not a sports person or anything. And I didn't know anything about Ted Lasso other than the, it was like a, a interstitial for like sport NBC sports or something like that. So I was like, I don't get how they made this a show. Hello. It's amazing. Um, so that's the last thing I binged. I just loved every character in it. It's so perfectly cast and perfectly acted and sweet and uplifting and kind and all the things that I miss feeling these days. <laughs> so I highly encourage everyone to watch that. It's so good. I Aww. wish I could watch it again for the first time. That's how I feel about it. It's like Fleabag. It's like you when you tell somebody to watch something, you're like jealous they get to see it for the first time. Wow. All right. I'm excited to go watch that. Um, and what was uh, the best film you watched in 2020? That's a good question. I actually watch a lot of docs, to be honest with you. Um, but the last film I watched that really resonated with me was The Sound of Metal, um, because my husband lost his hearing because of listening to loud music in his 30s. So he wears hearing aids and um you know, I, I, I work with a lot of projects that deal with the deaf community. So I just thought it was such a wonderful original story to be told and in such a tasteful way. Um, and Rizumet is amazing. Um, so if you haven't seen Sound in the Middle. Awesome. Thanks for those recommendations. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for coming on the pod again and chatting with us. Thank you for having me. And uh, yeah, happy viewing guys. Mm-hmm. You can find us at abrighterlens.com and at abrighterlens on Instagram and Twitter. You can email us at abrighterlens at gmail.com. You can download the show wherever you listen to podcasts and on Apple Podcasts where we'd love it if you left us a review. Our theme song was composed by Jesse Nelson. Our logos were designed by Meg Cafferty. Our associate producer is Elise Rock.